Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other's stories and learn from listening. Listeners, welcome back to the Share Chair Podcast. Excited to end our last episode of the year from Fruitport High School with a beloved teacher from the elementary school system, Miss Julie Ferguson. I want to say hello real quick. Hello, everybody. It is so great to have you. Uh, you need to. I told my students that I was interviewing you today and asked, like, raise your hand if you had Mrs. Ferguson back in kindergarten. And everybody that had you, there's big smiles on their Aww. face, and they were so happy. And I said, which was was Miss Ferguson one of your favorite teachers and so many of them <laughs> smiled and nodded yes and so uh, you don't get to see these kids when they're teenagers but they yeah. still remember you and have fond memories so uh, I'm really glad to have you but uh, what uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself besides teaching and then I want to talk a lot about uh, your career as a elementary school teacher okay so. well um, gosh I am one of six kids and I have four brothers and one sister and honestly, it was uh, growing up kind of was controlled chaos. So I thought, you know, kindergarten is like the perfect place because I was already used to lots and lots going on. Um, I have three kids of my own, um, married, and um, I love animals and love being outside. Um, so you have three kids that are great. And uh, how old are your kids like now? They are, let's see. Um, Soon to be 29, 27, and soon to be 25. So adult kids. Adult and kids. they are still pretty all locally live they here. They do. They live locally, which is really great for me. So I get to see them often, and I love that. All right. So, and uh, we're f- f- not just colleagues as teachers at Fruitport Schools, right? Fruitport Community Schools, but we're also friends through other things. And, you know, uh, your husband and I play soccer together. So it's really great that uh, we get to uh, to have this uh, connection both in school and outside of school. It is. So. It is great. What, uh, so I asked you if you want to do an interview because time is almost running out because you're retiring this year. I am. And is this a, a happy thing? Are you celebrating? Are you oh. glad? It's bittersweet. It is really bittersweet. I it I have ooh, I could get teary eyed just thinking about it. But um yeah, I I couldn't talk about it last summer without crying. So then but I knew that, you know, it was something that I knew I have to do eventually. <laughs> you can't can't stay here forever. But I have really loved it. So um I it is bittersweet for me. What? Uh, so maybe take us through the career a little bit. How many years have you been teaching? Do you know the answer? I have been teaching since 1988. So what's? I you make me do the math see, here. Is that 35? Over 35 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And how many have been at uh, Fruitport or have been at since uh, 1990? So that makes it a little easier. So mostly the career at Fruitport schools. Yeah. And have you been at Edgewood the whole time? No, I have taught in all three buildings, and I think I've been in room 13 all three buildings. Wait, so by just coincidence, you were room 13 <laughs> yes. at Shetler and Beach. And yeah, Edgewood. isn't that crazy? And yeah. besides kindergarten, did you do any other grades? Second grade for a long time. Uh, that's what I started with um, at Fruitport. <clears throat> so second grade, I think for nine or ten years. And then I did first grade at at Beach. Um, so both of these were at Beach. That's where I started. And then went halftime in kindergarten at Edgewood in 2001. 
for three years, I believe three years, two or three years. And then I did a first grade. I wanted to get back into teaching full time and a first grade position opened up at Shetler. So I went over to Shetler and I did first grade there and then full time opened up in kindergarten at Edgewood. So I came back to Edgewood and I've been there since. And so you've kind of landed at kindergarten for most of your time. right? Most of my time. And so that does that mean that's your favorite grade to favorite age I mean, to work? I with? have loved all grades. In fact, I even did a short stint of eighth grade science when I first came to Fruitport, Whoa. which was I left right before the frog dissection. I was so grateful. <laughs> <laughs> but I realized it made me realize I just love teaching. So um, my other grade that I taught was down in South Texas, in Laredo, Texas, and that was fourth grade. I forgot that. Yeah. So you did that before you came to, to Fruitport. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. What, uh, well, tell me, what's the, what's the best part of teaching early elementary school kids? Like, what, why do you um, love it so much? It is, I think, kindergarten. The reason why kindergarten is so great is that everything is fresh. Everything's new their eyes are just wide the whole time. They're so excited about everything. And there's always something special around the corner for every month. There's something, there's a new holiday, a new, a new event, something really special. Like we're coming up to spring sing and the kids are going to sing for their mothers and oh, just chokes me up. Well, tell tell us more about spring sing. What, what, What is that? That's going to be here on the stage, which it's so special for the kids. So here is at Fruitport High School. Fruitport We're recording High this, School. and we have this brand new, yeah. beautiful performing arts center, which we get to show off. Yeah. And is this kind of like a Mother's Day kind of a it, deal, or we, is it a? It usually falls right around that time. So okay. this will be Monday after Mother's Day, which might be the same day this comes out published. So kind of fun. Oh, yeah, yeah. perfect. So, yeah. yeah. So, so the kids will come and they'll stage everybody in the cafeteria, and the girls are all dressed so cute and the boys are all in their best and then we go up on the stage and they sing and they come back and um it's just very special is it just the kindergartners or does all of edgewood get involved or how, what's, it, what's it look like yeah k12 k12 yeah so this is our early the early grades do the spring sing so I heard you say that you like the kindergartners because they're so excited to come to school. They're, you know, sponging up everything, learning. They, they just enjoy all parts of the kindergarten. And if I could sadly compare to my juniors and seniors who 12, 13 years they later, they are, <laughs> they, some of them, they, they've had enough, right? They, four and four year olds are so excited to go to school and I'm not sure. <laughs> 14, 17, 18-year-olds are excited. So Yeah, a it's a ch- little different stage yeah. of their journey, I suppose. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> so It is. I mean, it's the great it's it's so great. I love coming to work. I've always loved coming to work. And there was a point where I was I said to my husband, I said, Well, you know, if I get sick of it or like I feel like I am not doing a good job anymore, I will not be doing this job because it's more than a job. You know, you have, their lives are at, at stake and you don't want them to have a negative experience. So I thought, okay, we'll see how I am after five years. And then I was like, okay, well, I still love it. And then I thought, I'll see how I am after 10 years. And I kept doing that in five-year increments. And um, yeah, I, I'm not even, like, I still love it. I'm leaving, but I still love it. So even though years are challenging, mm-hmm. teaching's exhausting, mm-hmm. right, uh, you would agree to those statements, mm-hmm. but you still love it, and you still love coming to work. Yeah, because, I mean, it's this is, 
this is their first time in kindergarten. It's their, it's, it's special for them, you know? So that's, that's what I see. I see it through their eyes. Wow. That sounds powerful. What, uh, well, maybe you can talk, how has the teaching changed over all those years? Like is kindergarten still the same as it was in the eighties and the nineties? Uh, kids change Has schools change have families changed. Like, I don't know. Any willing to speak to that a little bit? Yeah. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. And even though the pendulum swings, you know, you hear that all the time in education where it's like, Oh, we've tried this. And then we go back to something else and we've tried some, you know, go back to the original and whatnot. A lot has changed. Um, I have some changes. I'll just list. Allergies. I've never seen so many allergies ever. I mean, in the beginning of teaching, um, maybe one student per grade level would have asthma. And now you have to go down the list and make sure you know their action plan. Uh, maybe one student would um, need an EpiPen for allergy to peanuts or other nuts or or dairy or wheat. Um, now, again, you go down the list. So, so health has changed. Um, I think that children struggle with um, just mentally the their mental load, you know, um, anxiety, depression, even in the, the little kids, we see it. And that never was the case. I mean, you'd have maybe one child that would be a little anxious, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Like it, you could work through it. You could set something in place. And now there are quite a few kids that struggle with their mental health. Well, you know, my wife and she works with a similar age group and she's a big proponent of they just need more time to play and the mm-hmm. social part of that that they develops. Do. And, and so you brought up things like anxiety and health and stuff. Do you think that uh, was that a problem before this pandemic? Because this pandemic, the COVID mm-hmm. stuff really seemed to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of exaggerate, you know, magnify some things. Do you think that you did you see some of that before that or even or are you talking post that? Mm, I'm I'm talking before that. Even before. Yeah. So. I think that um, I think I think sometimes that we're pushing too hard on our kids, and just because they can doesn't mean they should. And if you look at all these wonderful students, because you've had them too, all these wonderful students that had kindergarten ten years ago, they turned out pretty darn well. Oh yeah. I mean, are our students, well, I guess what I'm saying is, are our students smarter because we're exposing them and expecting them to read and write at such a much earlier age? Are they smarter? Are they, can we say that we're making all these big gains academically, or are we losing ground socially? That's what's the balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's, those are some big questions that I imagine like PhD experts <laughs> struggle right. with answering too. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we got to talk about, talk about that, but maybe I can steer the conversation more light. Like, okay. like tell me something that kindergartners do that make you laugh. Like I oh. imagine they just do things that just make you chuckle. Like you have any good stories that okay. lately so, or well, something? You know, I mean, as far as stories, there's a story every single day and I wish I would have written them all down. So for all those young teachers out there, write things down. 
because you think you'll re- remember them all and there's another one to replace it the next day. But one of my favorite kindergarten stories, <laughs> this is when we were half, half day kindergarten and I had this one little boy and uh, he used to, uh, he would move around a lot for lack of a better way to put it. Um, and so we were in the middle of the Pledge of Allegiance, and we still say the pledge every single day, every single morning, and um, the leader starts our pledge. But I looked around, we were in the middle of the pledge, and I said, oh, no, where is so-and-so? I won't say his name. And he, said, he screams from the bathroom, I'm in the bathroom, Mrs. Ferguson, and I've got my hand on my heart. <laughs> I said, okay, well, okay, don't worry about that. Just, you know, take care of business. I'm just checking, you know. But, I mean, it's stuff like that every single day. And they, they, they want to please. They want to do well. They want to do everything right. And um, I just, it's, it's pretty special. What, uh, well, as you, you know, do you do some of this looking back at the, you know, I mean, we were, you probably know the next summer days, right? But like four mm-hmm. and a half weeks until the last mm-hmm. day with your students. And what, uh, what are some of the best memories you have of your time in the classroom teaching, teaching young kids? I, you know, honestly, I think my, my favorite times are just working with the kids, watching their smiles, watching the aha moments, seeing the connections that they make, hearing them and their stories, um, seeing the kindness. And the kindness is given so freely at a young age. And I know that kind of goes away. You know, they become more guarded because they're worried how they look. But the kindness is always there in kindergarten. It's it's going to be hard to go out into the real world because I don't know if I'll get that fixed. How, how does kindness look in, in kindergarten? It's it's just the way they treat somebody. Like, and your daughter was just so good at this when I had her in kindergarten. Well, well let, me, let me kind of interrupt and, and say, so I remember going to pick up my daughter who had you for a kindergarten teacher who now just finished her freshman year of college. And, uh, and I remember picking her up and everyone's getting around. And the whole class is like hugging each other goodbye mm-hmm. in this small gap from the door by your classroom to the buses. And they're all saying goodbye. And I'm like, who's this boy hugging my daughter, right? But, you know, Kyla is her name. She's out there and everybody loved. They're all giving hugs to each other. So is that how kindness looks? Hugs and other things, too? It is. It's hugs. It's giving a helping hand. Somebody needs something. They rush to their to their aid. Um, It's it's making sure that nobody feels left out. It is if somebody needs somebody to play with, they're right there for them. Um, And we talk about that kind of stuff, too. You know, how can we help and how can we? So we we teach that and they learn from it. Um, but it's it's those interactions the, during play and things like that that they get to like, show that. Like super, super important and mm-hmm. great for community and, uh, you know, future success. Maybe hard to pinpoint on a standardized test that's given, you know. But, yeah, you have to take time from kindergarten to do that. And, uh, yeah. Well, it me- is so important. And they and they do learn it. You know, that, that old saying, everything you need to know you learned in kindergarten. I mean, really, we – and that is another thing I love about it is everything is a learning experience. 
I mean, all the things you take for granted in the older grades, I mean, they didn't know how to come to carpet. They didn't know how to sit in their seat. They didn't know how to line up. They didn't know how to go to lunch. They didn't know how to go out to recess. They didn't know how to go down a slide properly and, you know, swing it this way. All those things have to be taught. They don't just... Yeah, standing in a line, waiting yeah, their turn. Yeah, waiting. all that stuff. Yeah. Yes. You know, not just screaming things out, you know, waiting and... Yeah, all of those things, keeping their areas organized, hanging up their coat, opening up their locker. I mean, all of those things need to be taught. So there's a learning moment every single step of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Letters and sounds will come soon. We got to do this stuff too. They come soon, but yes. So this doesn't need to make the final cut, but I I should tell you the fun story so you can chuckle at your friend Greg here. So so I once a substitute taught uh, first grade. Oh, wow. So in this gap between finishing my student teaching and getting hired, I did some sub jobs and the school called me at like 10 or 930. And uh, I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't get called today. Not working today as a sub. And they called me at 930. I'm like, this is late to get called. Like, we're desperate. I'm like, well, I normally don't work with elementary school. I'm a secondary substitute teacher. Like, we know, but you're the last person on the list if you can come. <laughs> and so I come to the class. The class is coming back from an assembly. And there's this like seven pages of like lesson plans for the sub. And I usually leave like a paragraph, right, for for my, for my subs at the high school level. And I remember I'm like reading them to myself out loud. And it says, uh, start the day by doing calendar. So the kids are coming back from the assembly. They're like, you're the first boy pe- teacher we've ever seen. Right? <laughs> and then I read to myself, like, do calendar. And I, I have no idea what this is, right? And this, the whole class hears me talking to myself. They all stand up. They march to the carpet. They sit down. The leader of the week, which was called the geek of the week, and they, they like to be called the geek, <laughs> grab, the, grab like the pointer, pointed to the S, and the whole class chants, Sunday, points to the M. They all go Monday, and they go, oh, Tuesday, they get to Saturday. He goes backwards, Saturday, Friday. And, oh and the my kids, goodness. and he goes, today is, and he points, and the whole class chants, May 22nd, 1999. And they all stood up, and then they went back to their desk and I'm like oh calendar's done like this is great like I think kindergarten or first grade and second teachers are amazing teachers as they really like you said they they teach all the logistics of Mm -hmm. succeeding in the classroom and then all the academics and the social things and yeah yeah you You wear a lot of hats yes yes yeah EpiPens like you said in the closet or down the hall or yeah you have to know amazing what uh well uh, what do you think? I mean, you've kind of touched on a little bit, but what are you going to be most proud of, of your time as a teacher? Like looking back, like oh, what I makes you smile or what makes you, you know, at night happy when you think back at a good day of work or a good year of school or something? Craig, you are going to make me cry. Um, good. No, I'm just <laughs> I, what am I most proud of? You know, I don't have any one Okay, you can totally cut this out. (laughs) I don't have any one special thing, just that I've been here and and it's been a real honor being your teacher. (laughs) I'm sorry, but it has been a real honor being their teacher, you know, and every one of them. It's so funny. So often I'll see adults in Meyer or wherever, and I'll recognize 
they don't always recognize me. Oh. But I recognize them. And it's their eyes. Their eyes don't change. Their bodies change. And for the girls, it's a little tricky because they wear makeup. But I'm, I'm always so happy to see the children as adults in the community doing big things. And you were the foundation. You were the start of all that as well, a kindergarten teacher. I mean, there's know, a lot along the way, but you did an important step. Yeah. And the parents, I always tell the children, your parents are your first and best teacher. And we listen to everything they say. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's a very special job that I've been honored to do. So I guess that's that's the way I leave it. I think I forget that sometimes that, uh, yes, we thank the parents and thank the community for trusting us to work with their precious kids. Exactly. And, uh, exactly. That, yeah. And that is so true because I think, you know, how would I want somebody to treat my child? And it's it's very, very, very important job that we can't take lightly. And enough crying. No more crying. Well, I think that uh, you seem to really put a lot of yourself and your heart into what you do. And, uh, you know, I don't know if there's many other jobs out there where, like, when you say I'm this for a career, this for a career, where being a teacher is really all of you all the time, right? Like you said, you're also a teacher when you're driving down the road and kids are going to see you driving. Like for me, it's, you know, young drivers. And if Mr. Kobolak's speeding through the neighborhood, they might see that. And, you know, or you running into people that, uh, you know, Meyer, right? Like you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're always wearing that teacher hat. And so, and it's, uh, it's an important part. So it to, is to our, yeah. to our community. So, um, uh, I'm not sh- you tell me if you're comfortable talking about this. So, so your daughter, Mary, right, mm-hmm. has like a unique situation. Is mm-hmm. it fair to say some kind of special needs mm-hmm. kind of thing? Yeah. Did uh, I feel like I changed as a teacher when I became a dad? Mm-hmm. And I started seeing kids not just as my students, but my students and also other people's sons and daughters. And it seems silly that I didn't think about that more until I became a dad myself. But you mentioned about, you know, the kids and the parents and, you know, trusting, like, did things change for you when you became a mom as a teacher or specifically maybe having a child that has some special needs? Did that uh, influence you as a teacher at all? You know, I think it does. I think when you have kids, you, it's funny. It, It's funny because I think when I was a a young teacher with young kids, that's that's hard because you're coming home to the same thing you just left, right? And I am now a older teacher with teenage kids, and I come home and (laughs) yes, and and that is different. I know exactly what you mean. So now I come home, my big kids are are out. Um, My daughter, my youngest daughter, will always be with us, Um, and yes, she has special needs. Um, The children. In my classroom, I, I mean, I just cherish my moments because it's like, you know, these are, there's, it's, it's back to the beginning again where I just, when I remember when I had young kids, and, but it's all the special moments when you're the teacher who doesn't have the young kids anymore. Um, but as far as having a child with special needs, yeah, it, it, it helps you understand what the parents with special needs kids are going through and how difficult it is to let go and let somebody else care for them because 
they might not be able to tell you. And so, you know, tell you different things that are going on. And so if you ever see that they're hurting in some way or, I don't know, it just gives you a different lens. And it does create this feeling of, um, gosh, I don't even have the word for it. But you look at things differently. Um, or like, I like what you said, that you're, you're looking through with another lens. Mm-hmm. And maybe that you know, makes things clearer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so you, part of you, you can see the child and say, oh, I can push you a little bit. I know you have special needs, but you also are really smart with this, that, or the other thing, you know. Or you can say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to give you a break. I can see that. I don't know, but it also helps me with just your, you know, neurotypical kid that is just, you know, maybe they're struggling with something. It's okay. It's, it just gives you the ability to see how special every child is. Well, well, the Share Chair podcast started with this idea of trying for, to get people to be more empathetic, empathy, right? And are, are you kind of dancing around that term? Like, I can understand where this is coming from or where this family or this student, like... Yeah, Very much yeah. so. Uh, your experience and your experience as mom um, makes that easier or more... Very much so. Uh, yeah. yeah. I heard a, a good quote the other day that good teaching... Uh, doesn't come from training. Good teaching doesn't come from professional development. Uh, good teaching comes from experience and uh, self-reflection about uh, how did you do, how did I do myself. And so I can see you kind of uh, dancing around that that statement too that I heard and just made me think of that. So yeah, yeah. oh, I totally agree. And when when I see um, a young teacher and they are self-reflecting. And I just, I applaud that because that's how you get better. You get better by maybe making a mistake saying, oh, that lesson really flopped. But why did it flop? You know, what did the kids, where did I lose them? What did I do wrong? What was it? Did they need, they, did they need to move? Did they need to, you know, did they need something else? Were their needs being met? And I just think that self-reflection is the most important thing. And also keeping the child the center of it all. Like, it's not about me. It's never been about me. I have loved, I have loved teaching. But teaching's not about the teacher. It's about the child or the student, no matter what age it is, you know. Yeah, well, that sounds like a a really good way to kind of maybe wrap up our conversation. So, uh, I don't know. Did you have anything that you were hoping to talk about that we didn't get to or you're... No. I'm pretty glad I could make it without crying all the way through. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was special. But, uh, well, we always end our interviews asking our guests to share advice. Some people think, oh, this is the best advice I got, or I think I prepped you that this question was coming. So what, uh, what would you like anybody listening? We'll have probably uh, students. We'll have other teachers, people from multiple uh, school districts take a listen. So what, uh, what advice would you like to share? I think that my biggest advice, anyways, what's worked for me, because the older I get, the more I know I don't know a lot, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what I've discovered. But what's worked for me is I chose something that I was passionate about, I loved. And um, I think that's important, is to do something that you really care about and then it really doesn't seem like work, even though there are days that there's a lot of work involved. But 
you can go home and you can be satisfied. So whatever that is for people. And, and you found it in teaching. And I found it in teaching. Well, Julie Ferguson, it is uh, so great to hear this and to stuff I already knew, of course, but to hear it in this kind of format. What a, what a blessing you are to the students of Fruitport and to the uh, community uh, that, uh, that you do what you do and do it so good. And I, I will thank you for helping my own daughter get off to a great start in her education. And uh, I hope that uh, people hear that advice and uh, take it with them with what they do, too. So Thank you, Greg. What a pleasure. So good to see you, Julie. Thanks, Thanks. for being part Great of the Share Share podcast. Thank you. That was so good, Julie. Oh, my gosh, Greg. I feel like I That's it for this week's episode of the Share Share podcast. Follow us at Facebook, Instagram, Apple Podcasts, Twitter at The Share Chair, and be sure to listen on our Spotify and SoundCloud or on our website, thesharechairpodcast.com. This has been The Share Chair Podcast. Until next time.